I would also like to say anybody who's struggling with anxiety cannot wait to get rid of anxiety. And I would like to remind you that anxiety keeps you alive. It is a mechanism of our body to let us know when something is unsafe that we need to run to safety. So this perception of getting rid of anxiety, it's um, unrealistic. We need to, it's, it's, it's a form of staying alive. I always go back to when we lived in caves and we were hunted by big, large predators, we needed a signal within the body that would tell us that we're unsafe. The problem is that your brain cannot differentiate the difference between a lion following you versus you sitting in your office in the middle of the city thinking, what if a lion was to follow me? And so the brain cannot tell the difference between actually being at risk or having a thought that makes you feel unsafe. So all the responses are the same. Your heart rate goes up, you become sweaty so that if the predator does grab you, you're slippery. Your heart rate goes super uh, high to the point that you might even have chest pain that resemble a heart attack because it's prepping you to run a mile or two to safety. But when you stay in stillness, that's that's a lot of blood <laughs> pumping through your system that makes you feel jittery and sometimes worry that you might be having a heart attack, but really is as though you were running fast to safety. Welcome to episode seven of the Discovering Alternative Healing podcast. My name is Sheil and I'll be your host. I'd like to say a big thank you to all the listeners out there finding this podcast and inviting it into your life. With gratitude for your time and may this podcast be of most benefit to you. I'd like to dedicate this episode to all the alternative healing practitioners around the globe for their continued commitment in helping others heal to live healthy and empowered lives. In this episode, Leadership Mindset Coach Olga LaCroix talks to us on how to be friends with anxiety and fear while doing the work to transform our mindset to live well and whole. Olga gives us tips on how to recreate happy feelings for self-love or perhaps you can share what you do on our Instagram community. To always get notified of a new podcast, depending on the platform you're using, please click subscribe or follow on the top of your screen. To be part of our Instagram community, we're at Discovering Alternative Healing. Hope to see you there. Additionally, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to drop me a message on the Anchor platform. May you continue to be nourished by the power of consciousness. Hi, Olga. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> me too. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, I am a mindfulness coach, as you know. I am a former therapist. I did, um, so my name is Olga Lacroix. I should start there. And I live in Ottawa, Canada, but I was born and raised in Colombia. I've been in Canada for 19 winters, but who's counting? <laughs> wow. 
So yeah, I got here at a uh, sort of early age. I was already in university when I had to leave my country. And I've been here ever since. I've been in Ottawa actually ever since. For those who are listening outside of Canada, this is the capital. Unlike most people think it's Toronto, we are the capital. It's a tiny city, it's a beautiful, peaceful city. Loved it so much, I've stayed here. Um, and I am a former therapist. I went to school to become a social worker after I shift from law school. So I was in law school first. I did things in reverse. I went to law school first in, while in Colombia I started. And then when I moved here, I made a shift and I became a social worker. And I didn't think I was gonna wanna do clinical work, which is the one-on-one. -on -one. I've always been policy oriented. I wanted to create macro change. And so I thought policy was my way to go, but I am a great clinician. That's what I do best. <laughs> and so I decided to do some, some uh, clinical work, which I did for our Children's Aid Society for almost 10 years, as well as I did some addictions, addiction counseling, and I worked with women victims of abuse as well in, in, in um, different organizations. And when I moved within Children's Aid to an executive position where I was going to be writing policy and I was going to be doing what I really wanted to, being one of the youngest executives and definitely so one of the fewer visible minorities, um, I realized I didn't love it. One, one year into the job, I had made it this wonderful you know, position that I worked so hard to get. And once I got it and I did it for a year, I realized that as long as I worked for somebody, there was going to be some limitations into how I thought I could help people. And so I decided to open my private practice, which is um, initially was a brick and mortar place where people could come in for meditation, yoga classes, as well as counseling. That's initially all I was doing. And it's been two years since I had my son that I shift entirely, closed my brick and mortar. I am only online. So I was a pre-COVID online uh service provider and I shifted from therapeutic work to only coaching specifically mindset coaching for women and coaching for women with infertility so I've got two two sister businesses and one serves women who have struggled with uh, reoccurring loss pregnancy loss and trying to conceive and then the one you found me through uh, which is Olga's way and I work with women who want to improve their mindset. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So would you say that pre-COVID, you took a shift in deciding that you wanted to become a a life coach and mindset therapist, but you wanted to do it in a different way. What was that journey? Like what made you want to shift into this format? So I was never, what I came to understand is that I was never a traditional therapist. Even when I was strictly doing therapeutic work, it was very holistic and, and very much coaching. <laughs> I was less of I'll, I'll hold your hand all the way through until you come to your own conclusions and let's dive into your past that you know so well and how that's impacted you. And I was more of how is the, how's your body? What are you eating? Like, are you exercising? Um, and we would go back into the past, but only to 
block off the present and then just be very like or like um target oriented where we just knew this is your present and so I knew having had as much training as I've had in therapeutic work that I wasn't really following the book that I was doing something different but I was seeing incredible results with my clients and so my personality definitely is more geared towards coaching I like a straightforward approach I love you and I love you with kindness but I will also tell you <laughs> what you're not seeing when you need to be told by somebody. So that that kind of side of my personality match better with coaching. And um, prior to COVID, I had already uh, hired myself a business coach who specialized on online businesses because I knew I, I knew I was pregnant and I knew I wanted to just work from home. And I wanted and also I wanted to reach the planet. I didn't want to just be so limited to people in my area but I knew I mean I'm bilingual and uh, Spanish being my first language and I knew I wanted to be able to reach out to greater a greater part of the population and not being limited by distance was great and uh, also under the school of therapy and the school of social work there's some limitations as to who and how I can help people so how in my coaching um, practice open would just give me the freedom to to be holistic and to help people the way I felt was better. And that is proven to be the case, that that is actually helping people at a faster pace. Well, congratulations. Um, because yes, the online platform is so varied and so vast. And uh, with an intention like that, we're glad that you're online. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Thank you. So in your, in your role as a therapist, what can you tell us about your experience with anxiety and um, on that topic of what people experience? And then can you share with us some strategies for dealing with it? So like, I, I mean, what can I say with, about anxiety is that it's common <laughs> that most people have it. Yes. I am seeing more and more men as well have symptoms of anxiety. I do feel that COVID has kind of created the circumstances for those who didn't have it to have it. And for those who had it to, to feel even more strongly attached to that anxiety. But in, in general, I feel that anxiety is a very common mental health condition and one that is easy to ignore and easy to not look for help because you just feel that it's just my thoughts, it's in my head, not realizing how much is limiting your day-to-day -day life. Like I coach women who never once considered they had anxiety until they met me. And then they realized how limited they were. They were looking for coaching for something else. And in it, we realized like they actually had some kind of anxiety that needed to be dealt with. So that will be my main statement about anxiety. And I would also like to say anybody who's struggling with anxiety cannot wait to get rid of anxiety. And I would like to remind you that anxiety keeps you alive. It is a mechanism of our body to let us know when something is unsafe that we need to run to safety so this perception of getting rid of anxiety it's um unrealistic we need to it's 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 a form of staying alive i always go back to when we lived in caves and we were hunted by big large predators we needed a signal within the body that would tell us that we're unsafe the problem is that your brain cannot differentiate the difference between a lion following you versus you sitting in your office 
in the middle of the city thinking, what if a lion was to follow me? And so the brain cannot tell the difference between actually being at risk or having a thought that makes you feel unsafe. So all the responses are the same. Your heart rate goes up, you become sweaty so that if the predator does grab you, you're slippery. Your heart rate goes super uh, high to the point that you might even have chest pain that resemble a heart attack because it's prepping you to run a mile or two to safety. But when you stay in stillness, that's that's a lot of blood <laughs> got pumping through your system that makes you feel jittery and sometimes worried that you might be having a heart attack, but really is as though you were running fast to safety. So all of those are kind of like the physiological responses to a thought that makes us feel unsafe, which will be the same as if you were in a risky scenario. Now, I don't really focus on teaching people how to get rid of it, but rather use mindfulness to accept it and to have a lot of compassion for themselves when in a moment of anxiety so that they can calm themselves down. Strategies, I've got, I've got so many. I've got an online course and, I, and I've got, uh, I, would, I would say that any, any strategies I'll give you here is an understatement to the work that needs to happen for you to actually conquer anxiety and become friends with it. Essentially, that's what I want everybody to do is become friends with anxiety because it is a part of you. And although you don't always like it, you can learn for it to not control your life. And so if I had to just leave you with a strategy or two to lower anxiety, I would say don't trust your mind. Learn to not always trust your mind. An anxious mind will tell you to do all the things that are actually going to increase your anxiety, like ask for reassurance or avoid the thing that makes you anxious. We all want to do those things because they give us instant gratification. But in reality, uh, we know through research that avoidance and asking for reassurance are long term contributing to your anxiety, letting the brain know that you are in, fa in fact unsafe. So as much as you can, do not seek out reassurance from the outside world. Rather, tell yourself, I'm calm. I'm okay. This is just a thought. I am not my thoughts. Like, just bring yourself to a place of safety. If you can remind the brain that you're safe at this moment in time, your brain will be like, oh, good. So we don't have to run. And like, nobody's going to eat us and we're safe. Uh, that will help you reduce immediate symptoms of anxiety. I highly recommend anyone with anxiety, no matter how bad it is or how not bad it is, to look for help. It's so simple. <laughs> it's so simple to reach out and say to somebody, I've got anxiety, can you help? And, and by somebody, I mean a professional who can actually help you, who's not going to engage in your mental drama. So if you call a friend and say like, hey, I'm afraid my husband might leave me. They're going to like, why? Has she shown you any symptoms? And so that's exactly what your brain wants you to engage in that mental drama. Or as a professional, be like, this is a thought. You can detach from it and not let that fear come and spoil your relationship and your experience in that relationship. So that's the main difference, in my opinion, between calling up a friend and saying, I'm feeling anxious, that they might, <laughs> they, you might take the risk of them engaging in your mental drama and not in accuracy, what's actually happening and not really helping you de-escalate the anxious thinking. Um, and another strategy that I would highly recommend other than just obviously asking for help and re reassuring yourself that you are in fact safe right now, 
comes from mindfulness, which is come back to the present, engage your senses. What can you see? What can you hear? What can you feel at that moment in time? So breaking the thinking pattern of anxiety to just coming back to the present. One of my favorite exercises we can do it together is tell me three things you can see from where you're seated right now. Right now I could see my lamps. I could see a piece of art and I could see a teapot. And tell me three things that you can hear from where you are right now. Three things I could hear. I could hear your voice. Mm -hmm. I could hear the air conditioner going and I can hear cars outside. And three things that you can physically feel from where you are right now. Physically feeling. I could feel my, I could feel my hands. Like, is that what you mean? You rest, yeah, resting on each other, yeah. I can feel my hands. I can feel my body sitting on my cushion. Mm -hmm. I could feel, um, I could feel my heart beating. Okay. <laughs> So let me ask you something. What what happened while you were answering these questions? Where where was your mind? It was on the things I was thinking about. Right. So if you had been anxious, I had just disrupted your anxious thinking, like the what we call the uh, hamster on the wheel. I actually got the hamster off the wheel for that moment. You don't need me to ask you these things. You could just say, "Hey, I'm gonna do three, three, three exercise." All get taught me. You can increase it to seven things you can hear, seven things you can feel. What it does, it takes the brain out of I am gonna die mode to, oh yeah, I'm in the present, I'm safe. It's a different way of saying you're safe. If your brain is as stubborn as mine when I'm feeling anxious, you're gonna have to do back-to-back -back this exercise a few times before the mind gets it. Okay, we're not thinking about that thing. Like that's just, it's not the time. So how is that for strategies? Did you have one in mind that I know you've been following me for a while? So <laughs> I have. you have some maybe that you want me to, to talk about. I'll be happy to. I have um, on your Insta post, you had like, uh, you had four strategies you talked about. Um, I can't remember them off the top mm -hmm. of my head. Um, but then you got into saying that, like you're saying, it's just a thought and don't allow your thought to take over you that you're not your thought. And I thought that was just powerful is that, you know, when you have anxious thoughts, you have to remind yourself that, you know, uh, you are not your thought. Do you see it? Can you okay, see that? I'm looking for it, yeah. So yes, as a regular rule, I would say one of the issues with our anxiety is that we feel we're one with the anxiety. That if we feel this way, it must be true. That if we think this way, it must be true. Or else why are we feeling and thinking this way? So one of the things that is super helpful is to break our identity from the anxiety. One thing I love doing, which also comes from mindfulness, is rather than owning it, owning it as if I am, I am anxious, I, I say, there is anxiety. Just that simple change just brings you back like, oh yeah, there is a body and the body has anxiety. And then there is me. <laughs> We're all different identities. So separating from that is very helpful. And then thinking is a faculty of your brain, sort of like moving is a faculty of your body so like i am waving at you right now i'm waving my hand i am not my hands movement there is my hand and my hand is moving so there is my brain there is my mind and the thoughts are a faculty 
of the brain, but I am not my thoughts. So I like to make that analogy as well with, with the movement of hand, the waving. You can wave, everybody can wave. That doesn't mean that we are that wave. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's just like an, an, the, an analogy of um, in, in meditation as when you're watching your breath and all the thoughts come, you just watch them. You don't attach to them to my understanding and learning, you just kind of watch them pass by. And some thoughts are going to be not so pleasant. And some thoughts are going to be very pleasant, but you don't attach to them. Um, That's exactly it. It's exactly like that. And so this is why we recommend people to meditate when they have anxiety, because they learn to detach from their thinking. They're just going to see this in mindfulness, we call them mental formations. I love that that concept instead of thoughts, mental formations, yeah. like clouds that, you know, in the earth moves clouds form and then clouds deform like that concept to me of mental formations is like the clouds and like it's cloudy but no longer you know like you see a cloud and then that cloud disappears that's how your thoughts are mental formations now of course they have an impact in how we feel and as much as we tell ourselves like i am not my thoughts you really have to practice repetition because uh, if you've had anxiety for a while, that has gained some control over you. And so you need to just get back into the driver's seat and say, like, I drive, not you. Thanks for calming anxiety, not today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was having a conversation with the monk once. And that's like what he was trying to say is that, you know, when you meditate and you're mindful, what happens is you become more aware of mm-hmm. your thoughts and you just mm-hmm. notice it. You, you could just say, you know, um, joy is arising, uh, fear is arising. You just call it what it is and don't attach to it. And then, um, you know, when, when, what, if something, if an uncomfortable thought comes to you, just be aware of it, you know, and, and don't react to it. Just be aware of it. Yeah. Don't attach to it. So like, if you have any, in, in, in therapy, we call them intrusive thoughts, right? So you could be driving down, a beautiful street your windows are rolled down it's sunny and beautiful and like oh this is such a great moment and you could have an intrusive thought because usually they do come when we're having a great time and the intrusive thought would be an image of you getting into a car accident raise your hand if that's happened to you you know everything is fine <laughs> and you're like oh my god imagine i get into a car accident that we go from this day is beautiful i am enjoying this ride to oh my god what if i die so when you get those intrusive thoughts, I love that idea of this that, that the monk was suggesting, which is noticing, wow, when I create these scenarios in my head, fear arises. When fear arises, I stop enjoying this moment. So just kind of becoming like a viewer of a movie and you are the character and you're just describing what's happening to that character. I do know from experience, it's way easier said than done. But when you get to practice, which which that's what mindfulness is all about, is a practice, you begin to get it. And those little pockets that you feel mental peacefulness, you're like, this is worth it. I'm going to try that again. That's your own reward to keep doing it. You're all about, to my understanding, um, empowerment, confidence, living your best life. And you give great strategies on how to do that. And with that comes fear uh, sometimes. And so 
how do we remove fear and noise from others into living our best life? Because I feel like sometimes when you make a choice, anxiety might come up about that choice you've made, fear comes up about that choice you've made. And then, you know, you might share it with people and then their fear comes on to something you thought was going to transform you. So how do we navigate where, you know, you don't want to shut people out of your life, but at the same time, you want to live your best life. Yeah, so that's like a convoluted question. That's why I do 12-month coaching programs to help people exactly in the how to do that. And I do want to emphasize time. It takes time to get there, okay? I think that we are in such a big rush to get places and like, I just want to be confident and not give a crap about what anybody says and just live my best life. And that might be what we do the rest of our lives, (laughs) you know, that that we're attempting to, to practice that. I used to do coaching for a month and I realized that was not, long enough then three months and I'm like "Mm, not long enough six months not long enough so now I do it for a year and it's not long enough my ladies finishing the one year coaching right now are saying like oh no we we need another year because they're getting to understand that it's a process that you have so many of those limiting beliefs that stop you that you truly believe them that changing how you think and the rules by which you live your life right now takes some commitment and time. And so that's the first thing that I, I, I think realistically we need to make sure that is so clear is that it's not as simple as saying, I'm going to live my best life and get rid of all my limiting beliefs that say, everybody has to agree with me. This is going to be uh, transformational to everyone and everyone's going to be clapping and that you might encounter those difficulties. And when somebody's not agreeing with you, then you have another set of limiting beliefs that says, oh, I'm a bad person or what's wrong, you know? And so you I tell my clients, you either psych yourself in or out of things. And you have to be asking yourself, am I psyching myself out? And if so, how can I psych myself in? In terms of empowerment, I am all about empowering women because I am convinced that happy women are happy partners, are happy mothers, are happy employees. And we are the force. We're the heart of this planet. And when the heart is strong, the whole body moves like there is no question in my head that investing in um, empowering women is one of the best investments that we can possibly make as a planet and if you are a woman I think that that we have to own that that we're the heart that we we influence when I'm happy my home is happy when I'm sad my home is sad when I'm angry (laughs) people are walking the eggshells in this household we introduce ourselves before we even speak by the energy we walk into a space so when we begin to do self-work, when we begin to just um, not be afraid of succeeding, you know, in my experience, most people, most women are terrified of success. They think they're afraid of failure, but because they think that they're afraid of failure, they'd rather not succeed. <laughs> we're, we're actually afraid of being the greatest, best, wealthiest, happiest, healthiest, strongest, you know, you say, like, you name it. We're afraid of that. We're like, no, I just, just want to be average. Nobody can see me and I'll be okay. If I fail, it's not not from a high jump. It's just a very uh, small jump. So my empowering of women is coming from a place where I understand as a planet will be better with stronger women, as I believe about men. Um, And and I have, I used to work with men as I still do. I still, (laughs) clients might hear this and be like, hey, I count. I still do. Uh, Word of mouth. And if I normally it's like husbands 
of uh, women I've worked with that they are so impressed. They just want to do the same kind of work. And so that's kind of fun. It happens naturally. Uh, but all of my coaching programs are designed towards women specifically. And so how do you quiet down the noise of others? It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And how do you step away from fear is also a process. And I will say, as I was listening to the messages of my clients this morning, where we're all working on being courageous, that's our goal for the next two months, is to do things with courage, transform that fear for courage. As a woman who's done a lot of things that I was terrified of doing, I will say, do not wait for fear to be gone. Just become friends with fear. Do it with fear and all. You'll get places. But if you tell like your fear yourself that fear must be gone before you take action, I am not sure you will ever take action because fear, the more you feed fear, the stronger and the more paralyzing it gets. So I like to think of fear like I think of trauma as my pet goes with me wherever I go, we just go together, but I am walking this pet. This pet is not walking me. And it's so gratifying when you get to the other end and you're like, oh my God, I was terrified of doing this, but I did it. Um, and that's when my clients come to celebrate successes, usually it's because they've done something that they used to be afraid of and now they've done it. So we're not waiting for fear to be gone. We're not waiting for people to approve of our doings, but we're here to do it courageously because that's the best that we can. I love do. that. I love that. And in terms like, yeah, just like anxiety and fear and negative emotions, they're part of us. And we should honor them because yes, they do protect us. But at the same time, don't let it rule us into not doing the things we need to do to grow. Um, you know, fear is always going to be there. I think, I feel whenever you're doing something that you've never done before, it's something not in your element. I think, I think it's a, it's a healthy feeling to have so that you could, you know, maybe think things through and be cautious about it. But Absolutely. like you said, yeah. but like, like you said, you know, have that courage to move forward, to transform, to transform that fear into courage. I love that. And, and when you transform, there's this confidence that you get. You got it. And so do you feel like confidence? Cause sometimes I think when you want to do something, sometimes you lack the confidence. And is confidence something that's innately in us or is confidence something that we grow to acquire? I think both, I think both. I, I am a mom to a soon to be two-year-old and I have seen with my own eyes how confident this little boy is. So he was born confident, you know, like he, uh, about, I want to say a year ago, I was working out in my closet because it was like quiet and nobody could come into, and I have a big mirror inside. The, it's a big closet, I should say. Um, and he found me and he found his image on the mirror and he went straight and kissed himself. I, I haven't cleaned this mirror. Okay. Cause the silhouette of his lips is still there and melted my heart that his first instant when he saw his image was to give himself some love. He also has no hesitation to drop what he's got in his hands if we're in a public place and music is playing to dance. Like this kid has no preconceived notion of what would be an embarrassment or what would be like, oh, they're looking. So he's taught me that we're born confident. 
in my opinion, we're born confident. We're born feeling whole and complete and like we're not comparing and we're not lost in all these like, but am I perfect? Uh, the day he was born, I also told him how imperfect he was and lovable. And that has been the perception I've had in my head since, since knowing that he existed was to raise a confident boy who understands self-love and the love of others doesn't come from being perfect or good, but just being authentic. And I would say, as he's taught me, that we're born confident and then we throughout life get some limiting beliefs and some misconceptions that make us, that eat away at our confidence. So when I work with women in growing their confidence is always about growing, not becoming. I always tell them, you were born confident. We're going to find what mindset traps you've got going on right now that eat away at your confidence. And often my clients will point at something or someone has said something and that's when they lost their confidence and I'll bring the responsibility back at them. If your confidence is at a low point, it's because you have some limiting beliefs that eat away at like your inner conversation is eating your confidence away. And so it's time to make a shift there. So I make them very aware of what's going on inside their head. What is their inner dialogue? What do you tell yourself when you see yourself in the, in, in the mirror? What do you tell yourself before you speak in public, before you're going to like a place where you feel that they're better than you, right? Like, why are you thinking somebody's better than you? That you're already minimizing your existence and what you have to offer. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm very passionate about that confidence. I believe we're born and I believe that it's our job to grow our confidence and to protect it from our own thoughts that 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 will impact it and will just take it away, break it. I love what you said. I love how you had this insight from your son. And this question just tied right into like you seeing it from the birth of your son, that it's it's within us. And I love how you said that you grow it. And unfortunately, yes, sometimes, you know, depending on the society or the environment you are um, living in could form certain beliefs that simply are not true. And I think just having that courage to work through it and perhaps journaling is something that would help one uh, to, to be grounded. You know, sometimes when you have these beliefs is when you journal, you really do see, oh my gosh, like this is what I'm thinking and able to work through, you know, some of these limiting factors we have into becoming our empowered me. And speaking Yeah, sorry. And I think it comes back to being authentic, who you are and like being unapologetic about being authentic, your authentic self. I love that. I love that about being unapologetic of who you are and we all are so unique and just celebrating that uniqueness is so it's your superpower. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just so enriching. Speaking about empowerment, I know you are you are about empowerment. What is your approach to having an empowered, confident, healthy and content human, because I feel, um, I didn't say happy for, for, for on purpose, because I feel like happiness is not something that is moment to moment, it changes. But feeling content is something that 
I feel is more stable because <laughs> happiness is up and down, fluctuates, you know, doing things. But I, I would say, I would say all emotions fluctuate. And I actually talk about in my coaching programs, I talk about the cycles of energy. And so we flow, ebb and flow, you know, like today I'm so really super confident, but tomorrow I might wake up, excuse my language on, you know, a shitty mood. And now I'm not really confident at all. When yesterday, the same thought made me feel so confident. So I, I am a big time a practitioner of mindfulness. And so I've learned to not think anything is forever. You know, everything <laughs> is ever changing and change is probably um, the only constant that we can expect. So my only expectation is that things are going to change and I do not attach to it, but I've become really understanding of how I'm feeling right now. And rather than being a forceful, judgmental voice where I'm like, dear, how come you're not feeling this way today? I just, I become curious, like, huh. So I'm not flexible to, for example, I practice yoga for three years, every single day of my life, every single day of my wow. life. And I noticed some mornings I was able to a very intrinsic pose and others the very next day, I wouldn't be able to do it. You would think that you always got it. And so I've learned that if I didn't sleep, that I've had, had wine or depending on what I ate, my body will respond differently. So it taught me to be really compassionate about that change and not be disappointed that, hey, you were supposed to be at this stage and now you're not. So how to be healthy and confident and empowered and happy and content are all tasks that you never stop working at. I think that society has sold us a bullshit uh, reality where you do it once and then you're confident for life. Like, wouldn't you be like happy for life, content for life? No, no, nobody is anything for life. Not even a life, right? Like we're, yes. we're born and you will die. Nothing is uh, in, indefinite and constant that way. So I think that, uh, how I said that, I am very committed to the activities that I know keep me at flow. So even on difficult days, I would be able to have a better resilient approach to whatever is happening in my life because I have a constant practice of making myself happy. And so I do believe that is different for every single human. And I would suggest to anybody listening, as I do to my clients, start paying attention to what feels good for you. And when there is a happy moment, notice what brought that happy moment. Was it the sun? Was it that you went for a walk? Was it the company? Was it the coffee? Like what makes you say, I had a happy day today. And then intentionally recreate the conditions so that you are happy. See, when we're children, I feel that our parents make happy come to us. Like, and I see it with True. myself, right? Like, I'm like, how yeah. do I make his birthday be special? How do I make him feel special today? And I make it happen for him. I'm not developing his skills of developing happy by himself. I do it. And then we all go to college and we're like, oh, our friends are making happy that somebody organized a party. So like, I'm being entertained. Good. I'm happy. And then adulthood kicks and we're like, hold on, who's bringing happy now? <laughs> we have, it's homemade, right? Like you have to make it happen. So I feel that once you realize you're an adult, which recently I've been having this conversation with some of my clients, I'm like, no, you're just growing up. You're nobody else's responsibility to make happy. Now is your job to do that, that we become attentive to the things that make us feel good. I've noticed a low carbohydrate diet makes me feel amazing. So now that I've noticed that it's so much easier for me to stick to 
eating habits that make me feel alert and happy and light. Movement for me is essential to maintain my anxiety. Like Olga who moves is a happy, anxious, free Olga. Having a coach makes me feel really good. Uh, being in family moments makes me feel really good. Having my, my coffee morning as a routine in quiet before my family wakes up. That's my thing. That makes me happy. So, you know, having a, an ongoing list of things that feel happy for you and then intentionally recreating those conditions, I think is how you you have that sustained routine to be all things that make you feel good. That's so awesome. And I feel like with what you, your approach is, is um, having an empowered you and being a confident you, like setting a foundation, like having a real strong foundation mm-hmm. of self and setting things up that you may want to achieve in your life, having those that vision of where you want to go and then being healthy, like having, you know, like you talked about notice, like noticing what, when you eat certain things, how it makes you feel. And, and then, you know, noticing when you do certain things, how it makes you feel and recreating those things. That's when my clients tell me I had a great day. I asked them what brought it up. And when they say, I don't know, that's their homework. You figure that out. I love because that. how are you going to recreate this feeling? You liked it? Yes. Okay. So what made it possible? Or when they said today, I was able to not cave into my anxiety. I'm like, why? How come? What was happening that made you have that power today? And so once we become aware, we're like CEO, CEO in our life, right? Like you're the boss. Now you're like, huh, I can do this. And you said it, you built on your confidence because you realize you're capable. Yes. Would you mind sharing with us a personal mantra of yours? I've got two that I go to all the time. One is I am calm, especially when I don't feel calm. I always go to I am calm and it's incredibly powerful. And the second one I use on a regular basis is I can and I will. I love that. I love that. What brings you joy and reward in your practice? Showing up. (laughs) Just me doing my work is the greatest reward. And of course, uh, seeing my clients succeed and and, um, just getting to places that they never even imagined was possible for them. That is, uh, I just, I have a meeting with my coach in in the next few minutes. And he asked me last time, well, okay, so if you, could start all over again what will you be doing I'm like it I'm doing it (laughs) like I wouldn't change a thing I absolutely like I get paid to do what I love doing which is such a great uh reward in life you know that is that is that is so amazing that you found you you found what gives you juice that's amazing yeah How, how can you be reached Olga I welcome everyone to reach me at www.olgasway.com. That's my website. But if you are interested in having regular mindset tips, uh, join me inside Instagram at olgas.way. And if you do visit my website, sign up for the newsletter. Every Monday, I send a mindset tip newsletter. So I am very generous with the giving of information. I absolutely love helping as much as I can, I'm providing free, great content to humanity. I also have a podcast called Journey to Happy. 
So if you're interested in listening to mindset, more mindset tips, I that's the place to where you and I can hang out. That's where you can find me. Thank you so much, Olga. This has been so amazing to listen to you and learn from. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really, it's a great honor. And um, I can't wait to see this go live. And hopefully you and I together made a difference in some listeners' lives. That's, that's what we're here for. Yes. Thank you, Olga. Thank you for listening to the Discovering Alternative Healing Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and would like to get notified as soon as a new one is uploaded, simply click subscribe or follow on the top of your screen, depending on the platform you're using. Additionally, to be part of our Instagram community, we're at Discovering Alternative Healing. With gratitude, Take good care.